Welcome to Military Network Radio, where we'll bring dynamic interviews and fresh information about topics affecting your quality of life at each stage of your military service. Join us each week for information of value that improves your outlook, actions, and encourages each member of the family. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Everyone serves, and together we make a difference. And now, here's your host, Linda Crater. Good morning and welcome to Military Network Radio. We have a really interesting call for you today. It's going to be a show about smoother transitions for military families and the various options that are open and what can be done and what you have to think about and how it works. So we are very much looking forward to talking about all of the various things. It's a lot to fit into an hour, but we're going to give it our best shot. And I am joined this morning by I'm hanging on one second we're going to have Jason McNamara joining us a little bit later on I just got a text message from Jason and we're joined today by our guest Carl Vickers an Air Force veteran who is deeply involved in the transitions for military families and really an expert on the four options that are possible after active duty and separation so we've got going to school, education, employment, retirement, and entrepreneurship. And so we're going to take a look at what are the considerations, how does the spouse or partner factor in, children, where to settle. There are so many questions, too many resources to count, but we're going to try and give you some practical advice today. So, Carl, first of all, I'd love to welcome you to Military Network Radio. Thank you, Linda. I, I, uh, I appreciate the invite. I uh, feel very honored to be part of this uh, uh, conversation today. Well, we're glad to have you because this is a topic that never, ever gets old. So let's talk about the first one, education. What needs to go through your mind if you're separating out of the active duty military? And the next step is education you want to finish a degree start a trade school any of these sorts of options what are you thinking about so when when you're stepping out of the the military whether it's separation or retirement um you really actually need to start your 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 thought process around school uh long before you start um seeing the end of your service coming into view uh, because there's obviously preparation time. You you have to start your schooling almost, uh, you know, fairly certain, fairly fairly soon after you've you've actually entered active duty. Um, you know, because there may be whatever degree that you are looking to gain. Uh, it may take multiple years. It, it may take your entire time or a portion of your time of service to to complete that. Um, but then there's other times that uh, you you may not have started your uh, schooling, or maybe you haven't completed it. Maybe you've done some of your credit hours that that are required, um, but you do need to start looking around at, at what type of, of schooling that you're wanting to get involved in, what your what your career looks like. Um, and what are some of the decisions you're going to be looking at? What are you weighing as options when you're deciding what it is you want to do with the rest of your life, or what do you want to be? Right. So. So you you know like if with a lot of the the decisions that you have to make, it, it all boils down to what your priority is. Um, if you're looking to uh, you know seek uh, financial rewards, um, or if you're looking for something that's near and dear to your heart and you want uh, uh, job satisfaction, or you know if if you're 
destined to to settle you and your family uh, in, a, in a location uh, back home that you know that's near family uh, or just any other location and you've done the research on that area and and you can kind of understand what type of uh, career that uh, is, is best matched then then that's obviously where you're going to want to funnel your focus how much of a part does family play in making this decision whether it's parents whether it's siblings whether it's a spouse or partner so um they they obviously are a huge huge part of that <laughs> um on a couple of different levels and I'll tell you why so as the active duty service member you know you're you've kind of drug your family around uh, you've relocated them multiple times. They've had to pick up and start back over so many times. And now that you're coming to the end of your active service, you you really should probably think about giving back and saying, okay, wh- where do you guys want to go? What you know, what what's what's on your hearts as far as where where to settle? You know, so it's either back home uh, around family or you know wherever it is that you're going to be able to give them some some serious input and and some time. Very important. I think one of the things that has become very obvious, especially as the GI Bill, uh, the new GI Bill, the forever GI Bill came about, was that you can now use that GI Bill for a trade as well as for a, a college degree, which is a really wonderful addition to be able to do. And I think that there are a lot of people who can translate their military service into a trade more easily than trying to figure out right now, what do I get a degree in? Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. And and so um, I think a lot of folks, um, you know, it, depending on what their career field is, they, they may want to stick with something very similar to what they've been doing in the military. Mm-hmm. Um, some, some feel like they want to just, you know what, completely start out with a fresh new career change. I want to get into something entirely different. Mm-hmm. And this, you know, they, they may have a hobby that, that is, can, that can be translated into a career that involves them going to a trade school. Um, I've seen a lot of veterans that have, have separated out of the military that were in food service that mm-hmm. decided to go out and get their, um, airframe and power plant certification and learn to work on aircraft. You know, it's just, uh, uh, as you enter the active service, you, you sometimes don't get the, the career field in the military that you want. And, and even though you've had aspirations to do so, um, so the best opportunity sometimes as you've, as you've had a chance to meet a lot of individuals in the military that have a lot of different careers, you may have seen something that's really something that you wanted to seek after, and you can do so after you leave the military even, because almost every single um, career in the military is transferable to a career in the civilian world. You're exactly right, but I think you bring up an interesting point. It's a time for opportunity, a do-over, if you will. You may have gained maturity, (laughs) may have gained experience, and now is a possibility that you can pursue something different based on some of these benefits that do come your way following your service. Absolutely. And starting over, things, is, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. One of the things I've, I've instructed a lot of those that are transitioning, especially those, um, you know, not only uh, senior enlisted, but military officers as well. You know, mm-hmm. you've, you've served for, for 20 plus years doing what you felt you needed to do. What do you want to do now? What do you mm-hmm. want to do now? 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's a luxury that sometimes people don't think about as a luxury. There are many, many civilians who are in jobs that they sort of just evolved into. And it's much harder to switch. Given the removal separation from military service, you really do have the world wide open to you. But it may take a lot of rethinking and preparation. How early do you start preparing when you're active duty for your next phase? So um, my best uh, – so it's different for, for everyone um, depending on, on what they're doing, whether it's going to school or, or what have you. But uh, what I, I generally say you know, is start preparing as early as possible. You know, Obviously, you don't want to get too ahead of yourself. Um, but I can tell you that um, starting six months early um, or a year early is is never uh, too soon. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, a year to six months out at the latest um, is the best time to start preparing. And and when I say preparing, I don't mean, you know, sending out resumes. Uh, by preparing, I mean getting yourself your research done. You know, the first thing you need to do, again, is is determine what your priority is. Is it money? Is it location or is it job satisfaction? And and that's that conversation that you have to sit down with your family and, and decide. Once well, you've decided uh, that, the, the rest can funnel down. Well, and you're, you're right. It turns out usually in life that you can have two out of three. <laughs> so yeah. money, location, or job satisfaction, you can pick two out of three generally. You can If you're very fortunate, you will be able to get all of it. I think one of the things that people have the most difficult time adjusting to is translating what they want to do from their military and actually talking with strictly civilian employers or civilian um, advisors as they go forward. But there are so many options to go with. So do you return to your area of expertise? Are you looking at peers to provide you some information that may be very helpful? So, there are a lot of mentorship programs out there, um, you know, just a slew of different, um, you know, LinkedIn uh, uh, mentorship programs, things that uh-huh. you'll find out there where you can have those conversations. Um, you know, choosing what you want to do, again, it, it really, really comes down to, you know, that discussion with, with your uh, family. Um, the, the, mentors, the mentors will actually help you, you know, with some additional ideas. Um, some thoughts, and sometimes it's even great to to work with a mentor that actually was prior service uh, that has been out in the civilian world for some time. Um, you know, once you've once you've listened to and have heard some different transition stories, mm-hmm. um, you can kind of you know learn from. It's not so much best practices, but you learn more from others' mistakes. Um, and and I think that that's been a, a guiding point for a lot of folks. Well, I think that's what true mentoring is. It's providing experiences that put things into perspective, perhaps. So when you're looking at either employment or training that you need to go with, I think one of the things we've discovered along the way with so many veterans is that you can find a place where you can find a job or you can go to school. But I'd love to, we're coming up 
And I would love to talk about onboarding and how important it is to have good onboarding for whatever step you next take. So we're going to take a short break. We'll have a few messages and we'll be right back. Stay with us. Military Network Radio and we'll be right back after these short messages. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Did you know that the average teenager drinks twice as much soda as milk? Since 1983, sugar consumption in the U.S. is up 28%. Why is that? There are several reasons, but one of the most common is soft drinks. 20-ounce beverages have become the norm, and it's not surprising to find that 43% of our sugar comes from drinks. Sugar is blamed for poor nutritional diets. USDA data shows that people whose diets are high in added sugar eat less calcium, fiber, iron, protein, and many other important nutrients. Fat-free foods are also a culprit. Since sugar is fat-free, many people tend to think it's okay to eat as much as they want. Remember that just because a food is fat-free does not mean that it's calorie-free also. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Super Bowl will air in 180 countries. And with that infamous coin toss for one day, most people will toss out their New Year's resolutions to lose weight. The Super Bowl accounts for 7% of an entire year of chicken wing sales. 48 million Americans will opt for having food delivered with pizza franchises seeing their sales double on game day. Domino's alone looks forward to selling over 11 million pizzas on Super Bowl Sunday. What's the word for food that contains unknown ingredients. Acompucky. Americans will eat over 100 million pounds of guacamole and 8 million pounds of tortilla chips on game day. What's a word for those folks who call in sick the morning after a little too much indulgence? Arfarfanos. I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. We're talking with Carl Vickers today about smoother transitions for military families. Carl, one of the terms that has always driven me nuts is one called vet-friendly or veteran-friendly. I I happen to believe that veteran ready is a better term. And I think that we've seen that success in the last two years, especially has come where there are veteran peers or those trained well in the veteran military uh, culture to help onboard, whether somebody is coming back to school after a lengthy period of time of not being in uh, higher education or that they're starting a job where there is a, that can help them on board successfully, mainly because the adjustments are a little bit bigger than they are perceived when you first come back. How critical is smart onboarding, in your opinion, it's just an opinion, of new veteran hires or starting school? So <clears throat> those veterans that are that are uh, just finishing school and are just starting school, um, you know, and, and then starting a new uh, career and a new job. I, I, I agree. Veteran onboarding is crucial. Um, it's crucial for a number of different reasons. 
um, they are aligning themselves with with the new flow of camaraderie that mm-hmm. they're not uh, not familiar with. Um, uh, a lot of new things in the civilian world, you know, uh, if they've been in for 20 some years, they they haven't had an interview. They've they've never been interviewed. They stepped out of high school and they stepped into the military. Um, and so obviously, you know, having a mentor uh, within the corporation or when, within the school is is critical. Um, and that's and that's a big part of uh, retention as well. Those that have been properly onboarded uh, in the in the civilian world, that uh, they have a better retention within that company uh, because they feel comfortable, they they assimilate better, and and that adjustment period is is made to be a little bit more comfortable. And so, um, I put together an onboarding program, um, and 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 that takes it really takes a lot of the you know, things that are assumed and puts them on the paper. So, you know, when when a new veteran comes on board, they are paired with a a veteran, preferably from their same branch. If not, mm-hmm. that's okay too. Mm-hmm. They don't have to be um, in the same geographic area, uh, but, um, you know, phone numbers and emails are exchanged. Uh, they can ask any question they want without fear of reprisal. Um, they don't have to feel uncomfortable asking what anybody else would consider a, you know, a known answer. Um, but but feel free to reach out and, and be themselves on the military side, but also have some some of that, you know, re-civilian culture training is really what it is. And, You're and right. that works the same for students as well. It, it absolutely is. Two takes on this, um, both that... The military mindset can mean two things. It can mean, one, that you're solutions-oriented and you're always ready to take on a mission and you will get the mission done and you'll find a way to get it done. The other military mindset that civilians often perceive is that you've been following directions your entire career and we're not going to give you those directions. You're going to figure out how to proactively offer the way that you're going to contribute. And how do you feel that that dichotomy comes about and is received by veterans? Because I'm not sure that they're always even been told that this might happen. How do you feel that best to mentor that aspect of things, that the culture is quite different? Right. So, you know, veterans are taught to take instruction, and what they are taught is servant leadership. They're also taught that you are trained, you are training the person below you and the person above you is training for their, you're training for their position. Mm-hmm. And and that is, you know, simply because that's how things work in the military because, you know, things happen and, and you have to assume the responsibility of the, the person above you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you are working with a, a diverse group and everyone has different personalities and, and how they foresee or, or take, take in those type of things. You have to understand that they're going to be, there's going to be questions. They're going to, they're going to learn differently. They're also going to lead differently. Um, the, the leadership is in all of them because as they gain rank, they have to show the leadership. They go mm-hmm. through leadership training. And, and so they're not just following orders you know, they're also able to take orders and it all goes back to everyone has a, everyone has a boss, everyone has a manager, both in the military and the civilian world. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so it's, it's just understanding how that trickles down. They have to learn the new civilian rank structure, so to speak. And is that often uncomfortable or is it nine times out of 10 comfortable? They get it. They understand the differences. They know friends who are civilians and, and they've gained enough understanding before they go in. Again, it all goes back to personality types, regardless of whether they served in the military or not. Mm-hmm. Personality types still shine. Moral values still shine, whether you were military or not military. Um, what you'll find is some some have um, have had uh, attained a higher position in the military, a higher rank. And so if they have to come in and start at a lower level, they are sometimes bitter um, due to that. And so they, they, they tend, to, tend to have a little more of a, a buttheads mentality when it comes to that. Um, so one of the other things is when they've got, when they came in, they, a lot of personality types will assume that, hey, you know what, I, I've been in the military for X number of years. I know that I've got to start over. I know this is a whole new thing for me, and I'm just going to accept it. The only one of the things that I've always tried to express to people is the only one that puts your life on pause is yourself. It's a mindset. <laughs> That's a good point. And if the mindset is not coachable, well, I'm in the opinion that that any mindset's coachable. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, that's that's really where I kind of stand on that. Uh, any mindset's coachable. It's how much time do you want to invest? Good point. And usually they will tell you when you're working with a mentor, make sure that you're working with someone who is coachable. If someone is not listening and is refusing to believe the differences, then your time is best spent with those who will. But I think we all want veterans to succeed, whether they're going to school or they're starting in a new position. There's still also, though, a lot of on-the-job training which is something that they are used to in the military. You're often presented, especially in the field, with problems that need resolution, and you have to figure them out proactively. So we are looking at a great group of problem resolvers. And do you feel that that is something that is utilized as much as it could be among our veterans when they start positions? I think there's there's a there's a split on here. I think there's some that um, are absolutely the that decision making mindset is welcome. They are empowered, you know, and it's just this this absolute blissful rollover from their military time into the, the civilian culture where mm-hmm. there is you can't see where the two mix. But there's also the time those that come in and they are so self-conscious of the fact that, hey, I know I've been a leader, I know I've been doing this, but at the same time, they're humble enough to, to almost too humble to take that step forward of, of actually um, having, having that conversation with, with those and showing that leadership because they don't want to step on anybody else's toes. All very valid points because we've all taken jobs where the leadership culture is one of do as I say. Um, or it's, why didn't you do that? And you're, and you're not sure which one to go with. So I think some things do cross the military civilian side well, and some things are just personality types and the leadership. Let's come back to training. So if you've taken a new job um, and you've got on-the-job training and you're very good at problem resolution, that's terrific. 
What about things like apprenticeships where you're going in and you're still learning? How does that kind of training work with the military very well? Um, I'm a big fan of Mike Rowe, and so I think that the the training and the oversight and the practical knowledge that is gained in uh, on-the-job training as well as being an apprentice or something like that is very valuable. I am absolutely a, a huge, huge promoter of apprenticeships mm-hmm. um, and on-the-job training. So um, when I was in the Air Force, we actually continuously trained on the job. That that apprenticeship level is something that is well thought of in the military. I mean, when you when you first go in the military, uh, your your MOS or your AFSC was you know your initial was was listed as a you know as an apprentice. I mean, you're a helper, and then you work your way up to an apprentice, and then you know as you go forward. Um, that is how the military is structured is to be an apprentice. I mean, that is, that's very common. So it's very comfortable. Um, and I think, uh, I think it's, uh, uh, the, the perfect training environment for, for veterans. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. It, it really does leave a lot of opportunity. And I think that's the thing we come away with and want to impress our listeners with is that this is, while it's a tenuous time emotionally, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? Who do I want to be? You talked about values and culture before. Character matters. And when someone is interviewing in a new position, talk about how you believe looking for the value systems and the culture that best fits you is a serious consideration. So, so again, this, you know, it is, it is not simply focused on the military, but you know, characters and values during an interview, you know, behavioral interviewing, um, all of these types of things uh, are definitely looked at. So, so character is a, is a huge piece um, when, when you're seeking out the, the right person to fill the role. Um, and that's across the organization. You know, there are a lot of different uh, assessments that can be performed and things of that nature um, and, 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 are, and are performed as part of the, the interview process. And so, yes, Characters and values are are certainly looked at. Yeah, and and I think it it is. And and I think it really makes an enormous difference on how well you will fit in if the same character or similar character values are there. So we're coming up on a second break, and we are going to be talking about entrepreneurship when we come back. We are really enjoying our conversation here with Carl Vickers and his experience With smoother transitions for military families, going on a short break, don't miss the next segment. We'll be right back after these messages. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey there, it's Christine Gallagher from She's Got Clients.com. I'm really excited to share with you the first annual Get Clients Online giveaway. I have gathered a spectacular group of contributors who are providing you with amazing gifts that will help you get cash flow in clients in less time 
online. So I've teamed up with more than 50 other business industry leaders to bring you templates, checklists, and other valuable goodies to grow and scale a sustainable business that brings you more income with less effort. So all you need to do is head over to getclientsonlinegiveaway.com, put your name and email address in, and you'll get instant access to more than 50 free business building tools, templates, products, and services, including Facebook funnel templates, LinkedIn cheat sheets, sales scripts, and so much more. That's getclientsonlinegiveaway.com. Head over there and enjoy your free gifts. wonder who invented the snow shovel most of us who live up north have spent a lot of time using this tool no one really knows who started using it for snow but according to live science the first known shovels were discarded ox scapulas or shoulder blades which folks used to move soil and rocks 5,000 years ago most historians recognize arthur sicard as the inventor of the first practical snow blower in 1925 Of course, you can get pretty knackered shoveling the snow off your driveway. What's the word for the fear of hard work? Ponophobia. In 1923, two brothers from Norway constructed the first automobile-mounted snowplow. What's the word for the fear of snow? Ionophobia. It's marching Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back. We're continuing our discussion with Air Force veteran Carl Vickers about smoother transitions. Sometimes you've been dreaming while you've been in active duty service about starting your own business. You either had one before you left and you'd like to expand on it, or you'd like to start in something new. And entrepreneurship has a lot of appeal to people. Not everyone. I mean, there's risk involved, and and you need to know your own risk profile for banking on a dream or building on a dream. But there are new options for vets, and some of them really seem to fit very well because of the structure. And one of those is... Hello, you've reached Carl Vickers. I'm either away from my desk or on the phone. I think we may have lost our guest. His phone just dropped. So uh, we will just keep on talking, and he will join us when he can. So one of the things about veterans and franchising is that it's an option to keep going in a direction you either wanted to go or to branch out into something else. And one thing about franchising is that it gives you an instant business that also gives you a structure. Because when you own a franchise, you are given a template to follow. And that's a very smart thing for veterans who really like structure, who love to keep working in an area that they want to do. So one of the big deals about choosing a franchise or a small business to begin that may have branches or, uh, you know, different kinds of options, franchising itself, is that the family <clears throat> plays a large role in making those choices. So, Carl, as you're figuring about where to go next and what to do, since you're spending a good bit of the the family's money, how much does a military spouse or partner fit into the choice 
of a franchise or a small business beginning? Absolutely, one hundred percent. They better. <laughs> they be- I'm it's telling better you. for them, right? Yeah, absolutely. No, it's this is uh, uh, you know that type of that major of a decision is definitely uh, you know spending some some serious quality time at the kitchen table. Um, you know, going over and planning. You know, and and again, this is this has got to not just for the finances, but the decision of what type of franchise. Um, and what type of uh, business uh, that they are wanting to begin. So uh, absolutely everything's got to be on the table. It does because a lot of the times what you choose will also choose how much you're home, how much time it will take to get the business running, how much time it will take it to get into the black. And I think that those are choices that entrepreneurs make every day. But one thing that I think people may want to consider if they haven't already is taking a job first and starting a small business at the same time until one can take over for the other financially. But you need your family on board to do any of the above. Would you agree? I agree 100%, Linda. You, you <laughs> have really hit it spot on. Yeah, I think, I think now here's my big question for you, though. Is everybody an entrepreneur? And how do you talk to those who you feel it may not really be a good fit due to a risk profile? So I, I don't know that everyone is has that entrepreneurial spirit. Um, and, and those, I, again, back to, you know, they really need to know themselves. And I, I think education uh, of, of the process of franchise ownership or starting a small business, when they when those that are – uh, that don't have the entrepreneurial spirit uh, see all that it requires for them to take on. I, I think those may 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 uh, see the risk and, and understand it, and uh, and take precautionary measures of of kind of stepping down from it. Right, and and that's one reason why it's it's often told to small business uh, dreamers. I'll call them at this point because there is a lot of risk involved with starting a new business of any type, whether it is a franchise or it's your own dream of of a service company or a product company that you're doing. And so it is often advised that you maintain an income stream while you're pursuing this dream to see if it has legs. Because I think we all know the statistics on small businesses, nine out of 10 fail, but the ones that do succeed are this and give people a lot of freedom once they have established themselves. So it really does depend on the person. And, and I agree with you. I do not think everyone is a potential entrepreneur. Um, but there are some interesting things that you can do with franchising, such as working for someone who has a franchise to see if that is what you want. And so you can work alongside things so that you don't have to take the leap into the abyss of being an entrepreneur, you can actually take a halfway step. And we mention these things just because I'm not sure everyone is aware that you can do that. But that's a it's an important thing. So let's move now into the retirement arena because these days you can retire and you're 40 years old. I mean, if you've gone in very early, you've put your 20 in and you're retired, you have 
the rest of your life that you can go into. So what are some of the considerations based on both age, location, uh, desires that you consider for retirement? Well, you have to, you have to kind of take in and, and look, I guess, at your financial situation first and foremost, you know, do you have a nest egg? Do you, have you contributed to, you know, your military uh, 401k? Have have you prepped yourself for such an early retirement? Obviously, you'll be receiving a pension. There may be some disability involved. Uh, once you take a you know the big picture look at at what you have available to support you and your family, um, you know that's that's where you need to kind of make your first decision. Okay, is what I'm bringing in on retirement enough to support us for you know X number of years? Um, also, you know. Uh, you have to think about medical insurance. You know, um, do I need to take on a, a, a job just simply so that I can have uh, insurance for my family? Um, you know, there are so many things, you know, schooling. Do I, do I want to go back to school and, and start my dream job? Do I want to go and, and, you know, back to our earlier conversation and, and start a small business? Um, you know, again, you've spent 20 some years doing what you felt like you needed to do. What, what do you want to do now? And are, do you have your family support and do you have financial ability? And a lot of military go into consulting positions because it gives them some flexibility. There's such a wide variety of these. Do you feel like that is a, an area to pursue or is that an area where you really are led to consulting because somebody you know? is consulting and says, have you thought about this? So I think it's, uh, I think it's something that I've, I've definitely agree with you there, Linda, that I've seen a, a huge uptake in, in the amount of consultants that are, that are out there. Um, and I, and I think it does allow some flexibility. Um, you know, you, in, and in some small sense, uh, being a consultant is kind of like owning your own small business. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that business is you. You know, they always say to sell yourself, and that's that's where the uh, the word consultant I think is born from. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think as they see other uh, individuals that have went before them become successful in in consulting, uh, I think that is definitely something that they've all considered. I agree with you, but I will say one thing about consulting: you're on a project by project basis. So the other thing is that you have to be aware of is that you will continually be seeking new projects. Maybe it's only every five years if you're lucky enough to get on a five-year contract. But in many cases, the consulting positions are for shorter periods of time. So it does mean you will be looking and keeping your ears open for the next position. Do you think most are ready to acknowledge that piece or they're really – taking that first consulting job and thinking it's going to be for sequentially, they'll just move on and roll on to new projects. Do they consider that in your mind? I don't think they consider that. I think those that have jumped into it, I think they figured out, you know, fairly quick that, you know, this is not as secure as the paycheck I received on the first and the 15th. (laughs) Um, And because really that's at the heart of, of most veterans. They, they want to provide security. Mm -hmm. Um, And, 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 and that check on the first and the 15th is, is, uh, 
you know, something that um, has, has bred that in them. And so, you know, consultancy, as, as much as they've seen others go before them, it is that, that is something very similar to that entrepreneurial spirit um, that they have to have, which is risk-taking at its very nature. Um, it is a risk. It, it's a risk anytime you're doing anything outside the norm. Um, and then as far as your family's affected, you know, do you want to risk going time without having a steady income? But on the other hand, it offers flexibility. It may offer some travel. It may offer you the opportunity to be working in your field again with people that you know. As always, you're weighing the pros and the cons. As you do that, what do you think that people could do to make those decisions a little easier? Well, I, I think definitely doing their research. Um, again, it's simply like building a business. You you have to see, you know, what what is out there as far as okay, you know, are there is there a is a, is there a big audience for this? You know, mm-hmm. for for what I am wanting to consult for, mm-hmm. uh, will there will there be longevity in this? Uh, you know, if I'm in a very niche type field, you know, how how often am I going to find contracts? You know, I think those are some of the things that will belay the fear is if they find that, you know, there's an ongoing insatiable need for for this role uh, to, for me to fill. And, and I think that is important uh, as they make their decision. It is. And I, I think that I'll go back to basic list making. Honestly, list out the pros and the cons to make a decision on what seems to be working and do that with your family because it, it does affect the family. If there's a lot of travel involved, if you'll be away from home a lot, um, and your children who have also been traveling around the world with you Absolutely. during your control. Isn't that so funny? I mean, you, but you do need to consider the entire family as you're taking a look at where you go next. So we are coming up on our third break, our, our final break of the show. And when we come back, we will continue to talk about being away the, from home uh, during any extended time as a as a consultant is is definitely uncomfortable. Again, this this goes back. I think we lost Carl, and we're coming up on our break anyway. We will be moving on to the break and coming back and talking further about consideration for those who are in the Wounded Warrior program. We'll be right back. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. This is Toginet, Cutting Edge Radio. summertime and you know what that means attack of the mosquitoes other names for the mosquito are galley nipper katie nipper gabernapper and galley whopper a quote from the 1906 book the parsons boys asserts that galley nippers are so called because at each nip they took a gallon mitzi is a deceptively cute shortening of mosquito that might be heard in ohio if you're in virginia and hear someone complaining about cousins They might have annoying relatives, or they might just be talking about mosquitoes. Why do they call mosquitoes cousins? Because there are so many, and they stick so close. But whatever you call them, all this begs the question, why didn't Noah swap those two mosquitoes? I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. This is Toginet, Cutting Edge Radio. 
Welcome back to Military Network Radio. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. We are going to talk now about what happens when the worst happens. You have been serving your country well, but you become injured and you need to be medically separated. And let's say that you're one of the fortunate ones that does have the ability to go back to work part-time or even full-time, but you do have a disability. What are some of the things that you consider? You're very young and you've got a, a spouse and perhaps children. What are the things that you need to consider as you find a position, a job, a training, a, a vocation that fits what you're wanting to do, but also fits the, the changed lifestyle that has evolved for you? So when you have become, uh, you know, whether it be wounded or, or injured, um, and, and disabled, um, and, and you're being medically discharged, um, there are a lot of things to consider. Um, you know, it, it, it really, it's all the same things that you need to consider even if you hadn't been. Although this is, this is very much a more of a sudden, uh, type thing. Some of the decision is almost taken out of your hands. Um, and you are placed in the position of having to provide the same for your family. Um, and so, uh, however, there are a lot of different programs uh, out there that are available uh, for those that have been wounded or injured uh, during their time in the military. Um, the the support uh, is just absolutely phenomenal uh, and endless. Um, and there's a lot of resources, um, not only to to assist you financially, but to assist you with your your medical issues, um, and not only that, but to help your family. Um, to, you know, just there's so much assistance out there. It's a matter of you being willing to reach out, um, you know, and again, all of those same things that you have to consider in regards to education, training, or small business ownership are still there, but you have to kind of evolve around your, your, your injury to, to an extent. I don't say, you know, it, there's things that obviously you can do to, to continue on. You may be able to continue on the same uh, same track that you'd been on or simply just, you know, make some changes to overcome the, the new hurdle. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, adapt and overcome. That's what militaries do. Absolutely. And I think, though, that when you're talking about the severity of injury, sometimes you're looking at what can the spouse now do because the roles need to change out of necessity. And medical considerations are always huge and you need to be, excuse me, where you have the support that you need, the the physicians that you need, etc. Let's talk a little bit about if you have chosen a different vocation, uh, a job, a franchise, a small business, and you turn out to find that it's not really for you. What kind of networking is available or retraining is available for those who say, you know, I thought I knew where I wanted to go. I am able-bodied and can, can go wherever I want to go, but now I'm baffled because I thought I knew what I wanted to do. What are the things that you would suggest to those who really want to take a second look and say, okay, I thought that was for me, but it's not? 
again, uh, falling back on, on the mentorship networks that are on LinkedIn um, through the VA, uh, reaching out to, you know, your, your military buddies uh, that, that you were connected with, um, you know, reach out is the important part. Um, you know, talk, talking, talking. I mean, you have to communicate with, with, with those that you were with. Um, you have to reach out to your resources. They can't help you if you don't reach out. And so that is very important. Get involved with the, with the veteran community. You know, your veteran service organizations are there, whether it be the DAV, American Legion, um, any of those have resources. Um, there, there are numerous resources that, that you can reach out to. Um, and, and also, I mean, look at your educational benefits. Have you used them? Uh, and if you have, is there, is there, are there other benefits that are out there? Uh, you know, get on the va.gov website. That is key. Well, and, and I think there are things to consider that if you can't use your educational benefits or choose not to do it, to make sure that you assign them to your family members before you are separated out. There are some things that do need to be considered at an earlier time as opposed to a later. So those are all key points to make. So what are some of the most common hurdles that you have seen? As we're in our, our fourth segment here, take a look and give us an insight into what you see. What are the most common hurdles for families and transitioning family service members? Well, what I asked a group of 300 sailors and, and in Norfolk one time was I asked them to, by a show of hands, who in here fears being homeless? Um Mm. And none of them raised their hands. And really? I said, well, do, do you have a do you have a key to your next home in your pocket? And the hands started raising up. You know, you've you've got to start locking in. Those are some common hurdles for families. You you have to have a place to land. Uh, you know, getting your finances, um, you know, in order. Uh, and that, and again, this is why it's so important that you start a year to six months out at the minimum. Um, you know, it n- maybe not necessarily obviously dropping resumes, mm-hmm. but getting your plan together and researched out a year out um, because it's coming. It's coming. And, and sometimes things move fairly slow. So finances, you know, you have to have that security of knowing where you're going to take your family, you know, whether it be even if you're moving back home with family. Confirm that you're that that's okay to do so. Um, you know, Good a lot point. of these, a lot of these, you know, young children, you know, young kids that went in at 18 years old. You know, they served, you know, say four years active duty. They just assume that mom and dad have not turned their room in, into a guest room, or they they've assumed that it's still open to them. You know, they they assume that uh, mom and dad are still living in the same spot. Um, <laughs> You know, and and one of the other things you need to consider, my best friend that I grew up with from elementary school is Mm -hmm. serving active duty Air Force still. Uh, He he actually retires this coming May. And they have a a special needs child. Mm -hmm. You know, as you're looking at, you know, we've talked about a lot about vet franchising, you know, schooling and, you know, and and spending time with extended family uh, based on, you know, your priority with where you're looking for location. One of the things you need to look at is is if you have a special needs child or even a special needs spouse, um, you know, what kind of medical considerations do we need to take in effect? We need to be close to a hospital that has 
you know, a great deal of experience in dealing with the special needs, or this is a well-rated, you know, we're not just looking at schools, we're looking at hospitals and, and medical care as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these are all factors that you need to consider. And again, it all goes back to what do you prioritize your, your, your life? Um, if you have a special needs child or spouse, obviously that needs to be at the top of your menu. Um, everything else will funnel down from there, but you have to pick a starting spot of what your priority is and, and go from there. Very um, valid obviously, point. you know, you know, it's, it's something you have to take into consideration. No, it's huge. And there's one thing we haven't talked about that I, I think is also to be considered. We're all very serious, which job, what, um, what are your next steps? Which school? You know, what are what are your considerations? But isn't it also a time to consider what are your interests? What are the things you like to do outside of earning that paycheck? Because those are some of the things that perhaps you did not have the opportunity to do during active duty, or if you did, it was too rare. And now you have the opportunity to try and find a little more work-life balance. What do you think about that? I definitely think the work-life balance is, is absolutely crucial because it helps you to avoid burnout, no matter the career that you're in, you know, but at the same time, I think sometimes some of your hobbies need to kind of be put on a back burner maybe uh, until you get <laughs> some of the more important things lined out. Uh, you know, maybe that's just my opinion. Um, but uh, I do feel that um, those, those do come later. Um, so as you're, as you're looking at your plan, you know, um, if, if, if having a hobby, uh, is, is also expensive, you know, that is something you need to take into consideration, you know, and, and really, uh, I think it has to come down to, have you adulted, you know what I mean? Are, oh, are adulting you, is hard. Are you, oh yeah. And, and, and so you need to understand what is priority. You have to focus yourself on, on understanding that this comes first, this, this comes second, this comes third. And you know what? Um, my, you know, $100 a month, whatever hobby or $200 a month, whatever amount that is hobby, is that crucial at this point? I mean, is it, is it a, is it a life changer for me or, or is it just something that I can, you know, pick up in some spare time after I've adjusted my family and have everyone settled in and we're in a routine again, you know, no, you're right. a huge transition. Yeah. And you know, if it's a, if it's a hobby that the entire family enjoys and that'll bring you closer together, that is that that is important. That is important. But this if this is a standalone hobby for you, not so much. Well, it's the need to do versus the nice to do. And and that's always really important because unless you take care of the need to do's, you're living a pipe dream. So I want to make sure our listeners can find a place to find out more information. Can you give out a website or a Facebook or a LinkedIn group that you suggest they go to for more information about making these decisions and smoother transitions and where they can find mentors even? Yeah, so Veterbody is a is a wonderful organization. Um, also, uh, Psych Armor is an absolutely phenomenal organization that I highly recommend. Um, you know, and then also, uh, as far as LinkedIn, there's the, the Veterans Mentor Network. Um, and then, um, as far as uh, transition talking, you know, um, we, the, the company I, that I work for, uh, People Scout, we actually maintain a, a, a Veterans Transition blog. Uh, where we provide a lot of different insight, 
uh, for a lot of different, um, whether it be transition, career, whatever it may be, networking, anything that you need with your transition, we actually have a team of internal veterans and military spouses uh, that provide advice, feedback. Uh, we respond to any and all comments, and we, and, and we happily mentor through our, our team of veteran career counselors as well. That's important. And so that website is peoplescout.com. Is the blog readily available? Do they click somewhere? Right. So you could find it through, through peoplescout.com. However, um, if you would go to uh, people-corner.com, uh, it would obviously take you to the main uh, civilian uh, blog. And then right there on the top line is for Veterans Corner. If you type in Veterans Corner uh, anywhere on a browser, you should you should be able to find us readily. And that's or terrific. Or type in Career Advice for Veterans. Absolutely. Well, Carl, thank you so much for providing your wisdom, these resources for people, and we hope we've given you a good idea of an overview of the things to consider when you leave the military and how to make a smoother transition altogether. You're listening to Military Network Radio. You can find out more about our shows and different topics at militarynetworkradio.com. Carl, we thank you again for participating today. And join us next week where we will have additional topics of interest because everyone serves and together we do make a difference. Make it a week. Thank you, Linda. You're very welcome. Thank you for tuning in today to Military Network Radio. You can find our show at our website, www.toginet.com forward slash Military Network Radio. Also, www.militarynetworkradio.com and in iTunes under Military Network Radio. Join us next week when we bring you another program to enhance 